Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk. Hope you're all doing well today. I want to talk about a really inspiring, cool story that I recently uh, read up on and I thought that would be good to share this one as well. So I want to talk about Simone Manuel. She is an Olympian American swimmer who has um, had a unique uh, path to being successful and being recognized as one of the best that we have in our country. And along her journey, she has been able to grow into a leader, someone who people really talk about in terms of using her platform and being able to be more outspoken than ever which we all should value as more women and female broadcasters and sportcasters are um, being mentioned and should be highlighted um, always in our society. And so, you know, recently with the ESPN's Women's Summit, which was kind of like a panel or, you know, just highlighting some stories of some great, people who have made um, the sport really interesting, really entertaining to watch, and really meaningful to watch. And so I just want to talk about Simone Manuel. She grew up in Sugarland, Texas, and she has been one of the best uh, Olympians we've had uh, in recent history, and deservedly so, as she's been able to uh, work very hard um, and compete at the highest level. She's the first um, black African-American swimmer to win a individual um, swim gold medal. So, and in itself is a great thing that she's done in her career. She's competed, obviously, um, at, the, at the college level as well. Really doing a good job um, of just making herself more aware and more understanding of what it takes to be a pro and athlete to succeed at that level. So one of her specializations is in sprint freestyle and so you know she's been unique in terms of that. She graduated from Stanford University. Like I said many of the great uh, personalities, people in sports, have come from Stanford University and so she received great education there and you know she took her you know took herself to an, another level um, through Stanford University where she competed in many championships and many events um, for the school she helped Stanford win 2017-2018 NCCA team championship in swimming and I believe, uh, yeah, swimming and uh, diving, I believe. So, you know, she's 24 years old, you know, on the come up. And her story is unique because she excelled in the support that was predominantly white. And so growing up as a youngster, you know, she faced that challenge of, just being able to be recognized and appreciated and to be treated on an equal level as others with racism still being a huge factor and still is today 
But for her, um, she kept herself, you know, she kept her head high. She never, um, you know, folded. She wanted to become one of the best swimmers. She wanted to compete with the others. Um, and so she, you know, even though she had that thought of quitting during that time, early age, she never, she decided to stay with it and, you know, work her way up to be recognized and appreciated and treated like most of the other um, athletes in the swimming sport were. So, you know, big props to her for being able to have the support of her family, her friends at that time to keep her motivated and to stay above those things um, is truly remarkable. And, you know, she is obviously trying to prepare and train for the Olympics, hoping that it will happen um, in the next year. There's obviously a lot of factors that go into that. But, you know, she's a 14-time NCCA championship uh, champion. She's won six individual championships on her own. And she's broke many records along the way um, with time record, with the, with the medals that she's won in relay races, meter races. Um, she's truly perfected her craft over the years to be really good at what she does. And she's one of the few African-American swimmers, like I said, at the elite level um, that we've seen in a, in a sport that is predominantly white. And so she's been able to do um, an outstanding job of making herself, um, you know, committed to to doing this. And you know, she's won. She won, you know, two gold medals in 2016 Rio Olympic and two silver medals. And both were in the 100 meter uh, freestyle and the relay uh, race as well. So. You know, she's been able to rise above a lot of things. Um, it wasn't easy for her to, you know, at first, because she had talked about being treated differently, how she looked. But, you know, all her experiences during that time really molded her into a, uh, in a in an outspoken and amazing, amazing person. As she's now more outspoken and more vocal not only in her community and wanting to give back to her community, but also being the, one of the advocates for social change like many other athletes around the world are trying to do. And so, you know, I appreciate the way she goes about um, making herself known in, uh, in terms of communicating the message and, and being, being strong about pushing for change that, that we need to see. She's also um, works as an ambassador with the USA Swimming Foundation. And this foundation is to help make swimming more racially inclusive. So not only has she paved her path of success and trying to do that, but she's also trying to bring others along with her of her color into the sport because she knows that they deserve an opportunity to be on that level that she is, and that's what it's all about. You know, athletes really working hard, getting an opportunity to be able to use their platform to educate others, but also to bring 
ones that, who don't get an opportunity into that. So she's working with this foundation to really make USC swimming even more inclusive, more diversified, which is a unique thing. And we should see more of that because we know there's a lot of talent around the world and it's all about opportunities, equal opportunities. And so Simone Manuel is one of those people that she knows what it takes to get to this level. She's been working hard you know, her entire career to be this way and to see her use her platform and being able to bring out the best in herself but also to make sure that her community and others are are getting the fair opportunity to do so is truly remarkable. She's a partner with a lot of school programs, most notably LeBron James I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. And so she's been working with LeBron and that school to bring and develop a swimming cu curriculum um, that will give those kids opportunities to become part of the USA Swimming Foundation. And it's truly remarkable what she has done. Obviously, she had the intention to do so. She's been working hard with that. And part of LeBron James and I Promise School, which, you know, it's a great feat in itself. It's truly great. And I think that with LeBron's um, you know, influence and her ability to uh, teach and, and develop a curriculum that will give a lot of young people the ability to learn swimming the right way and learn it in a way that they be successful and enjoy it. Um, that's what it's all about with athletes. When they get together and do these things together, it's truly special. And um, you know, big props to her and LeBron James for this partnership. And I think it's going to really work out in the years to come for USA Swimming. Now, you know, as I said before, she has really grown into, um, you know, a different person. One who understands what it takes to win, to train hard and succeed. And so she's, she's competed in a lot of events, like I said. And one of the things that she always enjoyed was just competing and being the best person that she could be herself. And her drive and her determination has kept her going for all these years. And she obviously wants to accomplish more, um, not only in the sport itself, but um, you know, as a person who wants to be one of those to make make a change. And so she has talked about inspiring others to dream beyond traditional assumption stereotypes and so she's the perfect example of that is that maybe not a lot of people back then thought that you know an african-american could get into swimming and be successful and she's one of those that you know truly proved that it can happen that you can dream big you can break the barrier and for her to be you know mentioned among some of the great in her sport um, is, is remarkable and it's inspiring because we know that it's very hard for opportunities to come by for African Americans in the sports. The NBA obviously has been, been able to do that at a great level. The NFL somewhat, but we, we keep wanting to see more diversity and more inclusion of women in sports and so to see her being able to experience what she experienced and to rise above that and to carry herself in a way that she's she's wanting to represent her community but also being able to inspire others to like go through with their dreams not to 
be afraid of how you're perceived and viewed. And that's the main thing is that you you gotta be really committed and and just and just enjoy the challenge. You know, enjoy embrace the the unknown. And that's what Simone Manuel did, and this is why she's one of the best in the sport right now, due to her hard work and determination. She's been a big advocating for changing in quality, like most athletes have been, and she, you know, has the same sentiment along many other um, athletes that uh, you know we need to have these conversations about. You know, understanding each other, what's right, what's not right in terms of racism and equality. You know, talking about these initiatives that we need to do together to be successful. And she believes that athletes should continue to to, uh, to share their stories and be respected. You know, that's one of the things that she really um, emphasized a lot throughout the things that I've read about her is that she wants to see even more athletes continue to speak out and share their conversations because there's a lot of things that athletes go through that fans don't know about and she believes that, you know she believes that athletes should be respected for their work and their their thoughts and we've seen that you know take its turn over the years as a lot of people have been able to come and, and really represent themselves well like LeBron James you know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Michael Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith, um, you know, Serena Williams. The list goes on and on. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Richard Sherman, you know, Marcus Spears. There's a whole bunch of great athletes and personalities that have been able to share their stories, share their stories about a lot of things. I mean, Maria Taylor that I talked about in the previous episodes ago, you know, Laurie Hernandez, Eric Spolstra, Greg, Greg Popovich, you know, Rick Carlisle, the list goes on and on and on. As we've seen a lot of things, you know, come up and a lot of athletes, coaches, teams have talked about it in the past. And so, Everybody's respected in their own way and everybody shares their own experiences. But one of the things that she talk, talked about that really stood out to me was to talk about in terms of what athletes go through and the experiences they have in terms of mental health. And she thinks that that's really important that the athletes out there that, you know, who are struggling with those things can, can you know, they should be able to share and express themselves and they should be respected in doing so. Kevin Love's a great example who talked about what he experienced and how he really has worked through that to become even a better person. And so, you know, Simone Bile talking, uh, sorry, Simone Manuel talking about these things, you know, it only highlights what I've been talking about and many other people have been talking about is that, you know, athletes have a unique perspective and they have a lot of thoughts and feelings and emotions that they, they share and express in unique ways. Some do it better than others. Others go the route of just social media, posting it on Instagram, and really trying to, to, you know, show that side of them that makes them look strong and makes them look great. And I think that fans who may not understand that should really look into their stories, continue to see how they inspire their communities to do a great job, um, not only in their respective sport, but 
away from the sport when they are just as just as you know normal as us living normal lives trying to advocate for change and equality and to fight against police brutality and all these issues that we've been facing so i think that Simone and the way she's carried herself how she has been able to work hard at her sport her craft to be able to over the years gain the understanding the experience about what's going on in our world and how we can make things better you know she carries herself at a high standard and she wants to do the best along with many other athletes and coaches and and sportcasters and broadcasters who are trying to you know make sure that they succeed at their sport but they also want to make sure that they're doing their part and helping society to be a better place making the sports world more enjoyable to watch more meaningful to watch and we're we're seeing that a lot um you know throughout the last couple of years or so we've seen a lot of initiatives by Lao Sports um making sure that people are educated at a young level and are are, are aware of these things because the next generation of sport athletes are going to be following them in the footsteps of these guys and as we go along we're going to see more and more stories come out of of culture and and hard work and determination i've already mentioned a lot um you know throughout my my podcast and you know it's inspiring to see it's great to see more athletes come out and talk about their stories and what it means um to be an athlete during these times and so Simone Manuel is training she's working hard um you know she's obviously joined a um agency in TYR Sport um with her former teammates uh Katie Legdecky and and Neil she's you know been training well um competing at the highest level and I think that it's going to be great to see her continue to to grow as a person grow as an athlete um her platform that she's she's using her platform at a great level like most NBA athletes did like Chris Paul, LeBron James, you know Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, you know and across the NFL and even in other sports as well. So it's great to see um her use her platform and be able to speak you know fiercely fearlessly about a lot of things that we're facing and you know her ability to communicate, talk um it all came from her experiences at a young age and being able to compete along the way, make a lot of friendships, a lot of connections with a lot of people really empowered her to tell her story and there's a great piece out on her uh you can read it on ESPN or other sites uh look up Simone Manuel she's a great first great young you know African American woman who has uh done a great job in her sport you know really setting standards high compete at the highest level she's won, she's won many championships many accolades along her career she's remained um humble she's remained focused and appreciative of the of the path that she had to take to get to this point and she knows there's a lot of work to be done in this country but also in her sport and so excited to see her continue to be successful to keep learning from other experiences and i think the more dialogue that we do have um in sports about 
athletes and their experiences and what they go through, um, we just get a more high level of respect and appreciation for what they mean to the world of sports. So now I want to talk about a story that I read, which I found um, a little bit sad, but very true of the sports, uh, you know, sports culture and world and how things are. I read about a story about a young player from Duke University who went one and done, you know, at Duke and, you know, didn't make it to the NBA, uh, wasn't selected in the very first um, round or two of the NBA, went undrafted pretty much. So I just want to talk about this, uh, this young kid who is trying to keep his NBA dream alive, um, hoping to play longer in the pros, hopefully. And so I'm just going to talk about his story a little bit and some of the takeaways from it. So what I'm talking about, his name is Trevon. Duval from Queens, New York. Uh, you know, 22 years old, still young in his NBA career, and like I said, he's been through a, a period of, of time in which a lot of athletes on the come up um, go through, and most, you know, don't make it to the NBA, to the NFL, to Major League Baseball, and others are able to do so. Um, and so just how, how it kind of goes in sports is that a lot of players trying out for a lot of opportunities on a lot of clubs and teams and only a you know, certain handful or so get these opportunities. And so, you know, the sports world has done, done, done a great job in terms of trying to create more opportunities, more equality across, you know, many, many areas in the world. And so, you know, we're seeing basketball be, you know, be extended to leagues and some individual leagues are being made now for former players who have retired or something that's starting their own kind of thing so for Trevon Duval his story is very similar to you know to what I'm saying here is that you know he's trying to make himself um, be more of an active NBA player be able to get more of an opportunity to play and prove himself as an NBA player and it's all about time and the right opportunity. And so, with the way he has been, you know, from the moment he got drafted, or sorry, he went undrafted, you know, he's, he's had to really mature and learn a lot of things um, along the way to get back to a position where he could possibly uh, be, you know, looked at by an NBA team. Trevon Duval. Uh, played high school basketball starting with the St. Benedict Preparatory School in Newark, New Jersey. Pretty cool. Uh, he played there for his freshman and sophomore year of high school. Then he uh, played at the Advanced Prep School in Dallas, Texas, and then at the IMG Academy in Florida. So, you know, he's been through uh, various um, schools, high schools, and, you know, the Academy being the biggest one throughout his years and so he displayed and some good promise some good talent um, coming out of high school and you know during his time in those 
those years he won some nice individual you know, team championships with his with his teammates. So Travon, you know, played well um, throughout his freshman, sophomore year, junior and senior season, you know, averaging some good points, some good numbers that point guards should be having. I think that one of the things that didn't, didn't end up working out so well for him uh, was the pre-draft uh, process. And so over the years, the, uh, the NBA's drafting and all those things have really changed a lot. And so I think what ended up happening um, for Trevon was that, you know, he had some workouts. There were some questions about certain things and maybe not committing to extra time with those workouts and having more workouts could have been a reason why he wasn't highly viewed as you know coming out of the coming out of the you know coming out of Duke University because at Duke he was he played well but not to the point where he was getting a whole lot of playing time and he had you know three seasons or so left at the University of Duke but you know he had a freshman season and he decided to to you know go to go one and done. And he was the first Duke player in a long time to not be drafted after a one and done season. So you know very ambitious kid, really showed a lot of promise and unfortunately you know he didn't get a whole lot of time to prove it um, in in the NBA. You know he bounced around to a couple of. Uh, you know, he started with the, I think with the Bucks maybe, then to the Rockets, but he never got a whole lot of playing minutes. And it's all due to, you know, how things are perceived. You know, a lot of people, a lot of athletes have great work ethics and are able to, to put in the time, the effort, the extra time to do stuff. And it seems like Duvall, with the success he had at the high school level, where he was a huge recruit coming out of high school, which is why Duke went after him. It's all about how do you take that and how do you, you know, accepting that and just staying on that is not enough. And I think that in one way or another, Trevon, seeing, seeing what he had and how he was recruited by Duke and what he felt about the university, about the recent you know draft history and all that, could have played a role in his decision-making. He could have came back and, you know, got more experience playing games and stuff like that. It would have boarded him well if he did that, but you know, some of the kids that you see coming out just really want to get into the NBA and, and just make something happen. And Over the years, the process has changed. You see a lot of guys playing overseas sometimes, getting those skills, getting that game experience, then coming to the pros. And So I think that would have helped Trevon maybe in his ability to be on an NBA roster, which he's not at the moment. You know, he was playing the G League um, as a point guard for, I think, the, um, I think the, for the Iowa team in the G League. So, you know, he obviously has put in a lot of hard work and you know, time. And, you know, it was a tough thing for him that night when he didn't get his name called. So with his family and loved ones really pushed him to this, you know, to push forward, to get back on track, to work on things in terms of being a better leader, communicating with guys, not getting frustrated. I think that really happened a lot afterwards. He, you know, he was frustrated afterwards. Didn't really understand why it went wrong for him. But you know, to be honest, 
he went ahead and made that decision to you know to forego the three years and just go for the go for the pros and some athletes are able to do that um, but only the rare ones who have worked so much to that point so yeah he plays with the Iowa Wolves now in, in the league after they had a draft and so like I said as an athlete dealing with the feeling of you know rejection kind of not making it to the to the big one um, it's tough to deal with but there are certain people we've seen throughout history come back and really and make make it happen so some guys are drafted in the second round of the NFL, third round of the NFL, uh, and they come back and have great careers. We've seen it time and time again. Tom Brady is the best example of that. Sixth round pick in the NFL draft came up and became a huge star in the game. You know, there's other stories throughout the draft. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard being drafted. Um, you know, some guys being drafted later than others. So. You know, throughout NBA history, NFL history, you've seen certain athletes, you know, may fall to a certain point um, in the draft, but then they they come back and they are able to uh, validate themselves and prove themselves and put that chip on their shoulder. Aaron Rodgers is a great example of that as well. So, I think that for Trevon, um, since that moment has happened when he didn't get his name called by you know by the NBA commissioner, um, he's really worked hard on himself as a person to be more mature, more understanding, and he's worked on his game a lot. And he's pushing himself now in the way that he should have pushed himself um, when he came out of high school when he went to Duke. He should have stayed at the program for a little bit longer time. We can't blame the athletes for wanting to, to to do that because they're they're thinking about their future and about getting that financial security and all those kind of things. And so you know, he got a small taste of NBA action, not so you know not not too much. And I think that and he's continuing to grow as a person. He's working on his game a lot, and he does have potential. You know, he's a lot of upside in his game. Um, coaches that, that are talking about him, the that they're talking about him, do see that he. He has the potential to be there. It just has to be more vocal. He's got to be a little bit more level-headed in terms of the way he communicates and talks with everybody. Um, and I think he'll progress. The G League is a, is a great place for a lot of players who either went undrafted or didn't make it to the NBA or, you know, a condition of both. And we've seen some good guys come out of there um, in recent memories. I can't, remember, I can't list all the ones that came out of the G League, but... There are some that came out of the G League and were able to play key minutes on some teams. And I think that, you know, for Duvall going forward, I think he just needs to take it all in stride. Yes, he had a promising uh, career coming out of high school. And at Duke, you know, he, he did just fine. He didn't average a whole lot of points at Duke, but he showed that he could be a point guard in this game. And then... Obviously, being playing through the G League and, and getting more development on his shot making, his ability to drive, I think he'll do well. Um, it remains to be seen if he'll make it to the NBA, but he's someone who, you know, is doing whatever it takes to keep his NBA dream alive. And that's what you want to see. You want to see athletes continue to improve, continue to work hard towards their goal. Everybody's path is a bit different to the NBA and to being successful. And so I think that for you know for Trevon Duvall, he just has to take it all in stride, make the most of his opportunity, 
and who knows maybe he will be successful when it's all said and done he's 22 years old got a lot of promise a lot of basketball ahead of him and so I'm rooting for this kid to, to do really really well um, because you want to see the NBA G League develop some even more good talent that we can see in the coming years and hopefully Trevon Duvall is one of those guys who who will be there um, mentioned hopefully in the next couple of years along with many other prospects coming out of the NBA draft or later rounds in the NBA draft.